Welcome to the Hockey Strength Podcast, the official podcast of SCAF, the Strength and Conditioning Association of Professional Hockey. My name is David Rosales, and today my guest is normally my co-host, Mr. Mike Potenza, the Director of Strength and Conditioning with the San Jose Sharks. We're kicking, we took a few months off for the summer, and we're kicking things back off with a very fun interview between him and I, a great conversation. We tackle things alumni style in the sense that I ask Mike about his upbringing in New England, some of his early experiences in SNC, advice for young coaches, uh, differences in his training program. We go much broader with Mike than we have in some of his previous episodes, and this one's a lot of fun for both of us, I think. So let's get right into it without further ado. Here is Mike Potenza. Mike, welcome to the Hockey Strength Podcast. <laughs> thanks for uh, great thanks to be for back, this. David. Thank yeah. you. So we're it's been it's been a few months. Took a little summer break, and uh, we're back. We thought we'd start. And this episode, I'm going to interview Mike and do a little do a little alumni style. So why don't you start with you grew up in Rhode Island, grew up on the East Coast. Now now you've been on the West Coast for for quite a while now. But when you were growing up on the East Coast in New England, what first got you into strength conditioning? Um. I would say, you know, I, I played multiple sports as a young athlete and enjoyed every one of them and, and gravitated towards soccer, believe it or not. And um, I just I did fall in love early with the preparation. I had really good coaches and I had um, older family members, cousins and things like that that were playing at a, a pretty high level in high school and then went on to college to play multiple sports. So I always saw the preparation side of it and I, I really liked it. And then. In my sophomore year in high school, I had a really difficult um, anatomy and physiology class. And it was known throughout the school that that was the hardest class to take. And, and as you, you got, you know, you, you matriculated up, it was only going to get harder. And the teacher was amazing. She, she explained things she really well. She related things to sports, to, to medicine, to movement and everything. So I just fell in love with it. And I knew right then and there, I wanted to do something in sports medicine and and, you know, that kind of drove me in my preparation to have to apply to colleges and schools that I knew I was going to apply sports medicine for uh, athletic training specifically. I knew that um, I wanted to do it. So I reached out to local PTs and athletic trainers. I actually, you know, took out the garbage and, and watched and observed the head athletic trainer at Brown University, Russ Fiore, his name was, I, I observed him for like, I don't know, it was like three, two, 300 hours in the spring semester of my junior high school year. And, uh, I loved it. It was, it was great. And it was, it was a couple of other things that I did, uh, to kind of further write my resume and apply in applying for colleges, but that's really kind of how it all really sparked, you know? And to get that high school little volunteer job, how did you take initiative with that? Um, you know, I talked to a family friend who knew, um, Russ Fiore, um, and, and he said, you know, if this is the path you want to go, I can make a phone call and, and you can be a fly on the wall. And I know he would love to help. And he has he has student help already. And I was like, yeah, great. Let's do it. And um, it was great. I showed up, you know, early and left late. And it, it was it was amazing, you know, and, and I actually had our, our one of our, our head soccer coach at the time, my coach at the time at, in high school soccer. He also was a coach for a local um, professional team. And he had an athletic trainer slash PT working for his team. So I got a chance to meet him and help him in the clinic uh, my senior year, which was which was great. It was just these little opportunities that came about that I I really grabbed and seized, you know, and then 
you know, like I said earlier, I think I said this on an earlier podcast, like I applied to all my school's athletic training, but when I got to Springfield, um, I was in exercise science and strength and conditioning with the intent to transfer into athletic training because I didn't get into that program initially. And when I did have the opportunity, I was already embedded with a soccer team training in, in the strength and the conditioning um, facility. So as a team, we were training, I just completely fell in love with it. It was very, I, I always loved to train, but um, it was new to me. That structure was new to me. And that world was, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say just starting, but it was, it was, I don't know, five, 10 years into it, um, beginning to get to the level of perform better summits. And, you know, and Vern Gambetta was probably the biggest name out there at the time. And then there are, you know, guys like Johnny Parker, who spent, I don't know, over 30 years in the NFL. And Mike, Mike Boyle always talks about Mike Wilsick and Mike Wilsick went to Springfield and, and as obviously did Mike, but, but those guys were really starting to get some years underneath their belt in the field. And, we're mentoring the the graduate students at Springfield at the time. So it was just like, all right, I'm not transferring into athletic training. I'm going to stay doing what I'm doing. And I think it worked, I think it's worked out. <laughs> so, yeah. And with those early experiences, you had Springfield and I know then you, you moved on to BU or maybe you, I'm not exactly sure about your timeline, actually. What were, how did some of those early experiences form your training philosophy? And we've talked a lot on the podcast yeah. about like not getting caught into one camp and learning from different places, but for you at a young age, what, what was like the initial, like, okay, this is kind of how I think about training. Um, there were, uh, you know, there were a couple of people at Springfield that were amazing. Sean Hayes was a kind of a big brother to me and he's at Georgia now. And, and, and my advisor, Margaret Jones was a huge catalyst for me getting into this field and, and really testing me in terms of, do you really want to do this? And, and um, they, they both were great. They were along every stop along the way, David, I had somebody who was a mentor, a guardian angel, a great friend or, or whatever have you like that has helped me a lot. And, and I've taken everything I've, I could from their programming and, and, maybe put my spin on it and, and learn from the things I, I really didn't like or didn't really go well. And I've kind of, you know, that's how you kind of put your own, you take the ingredients and you make your own kind of, you know, meal, I guess, in a way. So um, the, after Springfield, I, I, I did, well, during Springfield, I did an internship with Glenn Harris at BU and uh, he was, um, Mike was doing hockey there and, and Glenn was, you know, in charge of every other sport pretty much. So um, Glenn's mentorship and friendship was, was tremendous because I saw how a big D one program was being run and, and, and what Glenn took from his experiences at app state with Mike stone and, and, uh, all that. And then that built upon the international performance Institute with Mark Verstegen and seeing how important movement was, um, and, and all the coaches, the amazing coaches he had underneath his belt, like Daryl Eto worked there and Brandon Marcello was working there at the time. So it was great to to pull from their knowledge um, base and experiences with movement training, you know, or speed training or, you know, change of direction and all those types of things. And I'm kind of giving you the timeline as I go here. And then uh, I was I did an internship at the University of Miami, my senior semester. And that was great from obviously seeing a big time college football program running some amazing athletes compared to our D three athletes at Springfield. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then working for Mike was a great view of what the private industry would, would be able to, to, to teach me and the challenges it would be to maybe train 
youth athletes, you know, more so than college athletes who are committed to it, you know, and getting a scholarship for it. So. Wow. You had even more varied and differing experiences than I thought. And I think a, a big a question that's coming up for me and that could potentially be useful for, for young coaches is, is how do you, how do you recommend people go about getting varied experiences mm. in SNC? I, I, you know, I, I, I find it's tough to, when I, when I discuss it with um, potential um, young professionals or, or, you know, young professionals who are in college trying to, to find their way and navigate what the next experience is. It's, I have the, I have the kind of structure of being at Springfield and okay, every summer I'm going to do something. You know, Dr. Jones told me, she's like, Hey, if you really want to do this, like don't waste your time in the summertime on the beach, like, or yeah, I know you got to get a job and you're going to pay for things and that's fine. You can do that, but you also can do things locally. Um, BU was one of them. Uh, obviously, uh, it was a great experience working for Mike Boyle in the summertime was the other experience, but I, I did those things, you know, got paid a little bit and then went home and, and worked, you know, and so Providence to Boston wasn't very difficult, but even so Providence to Worcester with Jeff Oliver at Holy Cross would have been a great option too, you know? So I had the structure of Springfield where I was like, okay, I can, I can do these things at some sort of interval to help build my resume and build my experience. Um, and I think young professionals need to look for those things. And I try to put myself in those shoes for them to say, okay, what, what do you have time to do right now? You know, if you're in classes right now, then, okay, what do we have locally? So here in San Jose, like San Jose state, I get a lot of students they're right across the street from us. So I'll get a lot of students from the kinesiology uh, department who are looking into S and C and they're like, you know, I really want to do this. I'm like, okay, well, what do we have for opportunity here? You know, you have observation with us, um, maybe help with, preseason testing and rookie testing and things like that we don't provide unfortunately in internships during the season but um you know what else is out there you know the athletic department at san jose state's available you have uh stanford that's always looking for uh internships you have some private industry uh groups or, or training facilities that are looking um those are a little bit small scale but um and we don't have the big impact around here, at least for youth training, like a place like Boyle or something like that. And hopefully that business, that sort of business can be, can pick up. But um, so there's opportunities there to, to, for, for them to, to find and, and to dive into. It's just a matter of trying to work with their time frame, right. Or, or what they have available. Yeah. And I'll, I'll speak to my experience just because that's kind of, you know, what I've gone through the last few years, by the time I was 21, I had done, like middle school groups. I've done high school groups. I've done high school teams. I had done junior team. I'd done my own junior team. I'd done, I'd done a D one internship. Uh, I'd done online coach training. So, and, and like, there's so much available, I think. And yeah, you need some resources for sure, but it takes some creativity. And I love the maxim that if you're like struggling to think of things to do, if you can't generate 10 ideas, generate 20 and, and literally yeah. start to think outside the box, like, well, what teams can I help with? What sports? It might not be hockey specifically, but I think like mm -hmm. you talked about working in Miami and football, um, there's just tons of opportunities because there's athletes everywhere who, who want to improve and people everywhere who want to be more fit. So it might not even be athletes. Right. Yeah. And you have, you have to, like you said, you have to, you have to commit to those opportunities and you have to keep building them. One opportunity isn't going to make it or, you know, make it for you. You're not going to, if your goal is to get to the NHL or the NBA or, or to elite college or high level college sport, um, you know, one opportunity is not going to do it. So you really need to kind of build those experiences as much as you can. And, 
you know, it's funny. You'll find out a lot about experiences if you just call people, right? I mean, I use that Vern Gambetta story all the time. Like I was doing an internship for Mark Verstegen and I just kind of my own time called Vern and it ended up becoming a great friendship. And, um, but he called me for opportunities all the time. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of, I already had this planned or, you know, I was ahead of it, but, um, that then network networking piece, as we've always talked about and what the site's built upon, um, you know, the theme of the site is built upon that. That's, that's, uh, important. So. Yeah. And like I've, I've hopped on the phone with a, a few, like members to help them. Mm-hmm. Like who, who can I intern for all this stuff? And, and the resources are there. If, if you really think outside the box, you, you touch on the question, you mentioned this offhand when, when, a when, a someone asks you, do you really want to do this? And we've talked about on the podcast, you know, Lauren, Lauren's advice to young coches was like, don't go to the NHL. And yeah. of course yeah. he, he not that no one should go to the NHL, but you might really want to think about it. What was that moment or, or what was your thought process and decision-making process around like deciding to, to really go into this field and, and, and do it. Cause it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of work for a lot of years. Yeah. I, I, um, maybe I'm weird, but I, I, could there was not one definitive moment i can tell you that i was i said to myself i want to go to the nhl i want to be a strength coach in the in the nhl you know i um i i remember telling my wife like there's no chance i'll ever live in california i told her that i remember it and she still like laughs about it now but uh that this is just where we kind of ended up you know what i mean and um but i the 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 moment the moment i knew I, i did want to get into this field and work with athletes and, and be in that team setting was, was probably the second depth workout when I was a soccer player for Springfield and being in the gym and doing it because we, it was a small gym. It was hot. It was, it was dirty, you know, pretty much. And you had, we had an amazing graduate student strength coach because at Springfield all the graduate students at the time at least I think it I think it's still this way were assigned to teams and that was your head strength coach and then the director pretty much who was a professor Margaret was the director at the time uh, Margaret Jones my advisor um, she would oversee the department but then the graduate students would that would be there you you get some unbelievable work experience right there you know in this kind of cool laboratory slash very practical setting of of uh, of the field and i had a great his name was um uh, scott kolak and he went on to be a great you know great strength coach i think at a high level of basketball maybe at oklahoma at one point um but it, he was intense it was awesome it was my first experience of doing this rather than just training with my my buddies you know at you know wherever we could you know powerhouse gym in providence rhode island or whatever we wherever we could go work out you know and get better for as athletes that we thought we were trying to do you know the intent was there but i guess we had the wrong you know, wrong compass in a way but um but that was the aha moment. that was the moment i was like man i want to do this like it was like small gym we had three teams in there i think it was soccer at the time and it was women's soccer and then tennis was in there and i was like this is unbelievable like it was it was great. Music was blasting. I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do this. And then I remember going to Margaret Jones and saying, Hey, I want to do this. And she's like, do you really want to do this? And I was like, I do. No, she's like, I get this all the time, Mike. And I'm like, no, I, I want to do it. What do I got to do? I want to, I want to observe. I, I just want to watch. Can I come in and observe? And she's like, yeah, you got to observe for 200 hours. And then I'll test you in terms of like the efficiency of your, your lifts and your technique and, your programming skills to put a program together. And then, then, then I'll, I'll give you a team. If you're really going to, if you really want to do it, I'm like, I want to do it. 
And I blew through the 200 hours, I think, in the first half of the semester or something like that. And she's like, you finished? I'm like, yep, I'm ready to go. And, uh, and the rest was history, I guess. So one thing that I love about talking to you about anything is you get really enthusiastic about anything it could be like oh like magnesium supplementation or or, or it could be like, like some <laughs> yeah. new training style yeah and I, like when you talk about training i can tell you you just like you really love it and is that something you grew into something you had and maybe this isn't the right question but how do you recommend like i'm trying to help coaches answer that question do you really want to do this because i can tell you like really love yeah it. and, and would um, you recommend yeah you, you gotta, gotta <laughs> i think you gotta be you know i i i just i <laughs> I guess you can you can measure how much I care about the field and the passion for it and, and, and helping young professionals by like I saved all of my I've saved everything. I, I'm a I'm 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 not a hoarder, but I'm a, for sure I guess a pack rat. I don't know if this is the same thing, but like my wife, I have I have the binders, the th the three ring binder thing that you laughed at before, like early on, like that you you're like Mike, you know you can scan these. I'm like, yeah, but you can't, like, because there's too many of them, you know. Like I have boxes in my garage, like that trap that have moved with me and have gotten only they've multiplied, you know, they're like rabbits, like they just they kept them multiplying over the years, and like I love that stuff. I I don't want to give that stuff. I I, I want to use that as a resource if somebody ever wants to dive into this library but that's i i guess that's like how much i've loved it like it's become could become part of of me and and trying to help anybody who's interested with that level of passion you know to to the field and it's been it's been it's been great i think you have to be curious though you have to be curious in the fact that like okay this intrigues me or that intrigues me or you know you go down these people say rabbit holes and there's paths that I've been taken through this through my time here in San Jose that I was I'm I'm very surprised I went down it you know I, I and it's pretty much out of necessity you know like between taking over rehabs of players and then diving down the nutrition road as much as I have you know and or driving down or learning to get down that data road um you know which you know my my statistics is next to nil or knowledge of statistics is next to nil, but, but by necessity of creating reports and trying to communicate with coaches and management, you have to be able to do that stuff. Right. Or at least know who to call and, and talk to. So, yeah, I feel like maybe, maybe it's a love of learning and, and that's, yeah. Been a th yeah. that's been a theme of the podcast is whatever the topic is, like you can get into it and really love it and learn whether right. that's nutrition or data or whatever, mm -hmm. et cetera. I like Absolutely. you mentioned earlier on uh, a, a boil, a popular boil, you know, one of those great metaphors that, you know, he has a knack for is the difference between being a cook versus a chef and, and to kind of quickly rehash, we'll link to this, but a cook can follow a recipe and like young coaches are mostly cooks. And then a chef, you're kind of making your own recipes. What have you added to your programming that you would say is like uniquely the Mike Potenza recipe book or like what's, what's the unique combination that makes some, something that you do different than most other strength coaches? Well, that's a good one. Um, I, I guess I am very much, I guess I'm two things and, and I don't know if other coaches are doing it, but these are really important to me. It's, it's in my team setting. Um, we have to, we have to, at this level, it's difficult to, but I make it a priority is we have to do things together. You know, like we can't, 
we, we warm up together, you know, every practice day. And that's important to me, you know, and, and other teams don't, you know, and, and you talk to players, talk amongst each other. And obviously like, Oh, you gotta do a team warm up, Like, but that team warm up, I, I really feel strongly that one, it gets us together, but two, it really, it, it gets the cobwebs out of these players because if they, if we don't have something organized, they're going to, they're going to get up and they're going to watch TV and have a coffee. They're going to go into a meeting. They're going to fix a new stick. They're going to sit in their stall and mess around with their equipment. And they're not going to do anything. And then they're going to get on the ice and the coaches are going to be sorry for my French, but the coaches are horny once they get on the ice. So they want to go like they want to play like, and they want to, they want to skate hard. Um, so we can't do that. Like you can't take that engine out there ice cold and try to rev it up, you know, to a hundred miles an hour. So I think we've stayed ahead of a lot of injury issues and, and nagging stuff that comes up in the season just by doing that, whether we're on the road or whether we're at home. So that's in, that's important to me. Um, I guess my coaching and teaching style, a piece of it is that every, everything kind of builds on each other. So whether we do, something in the warm-up that entails a landing and, and stability around the hip and knee. I'm going to take that segment and then teach for, or let me reverse it. If we do some band patterning or hip patterning or band walking for stability or, or abduction, right? We I'll build on that for, with that thought of knee stability to landing in a plyometric type movement and knee stability, and then take that concept to when we do any bilateral squat work or, unilateral lower body work where we're like, okay, we have to stay stable here. And here's why, you know? So, so I'm trying to relate what we do in the gym to actual, not only um, movements that we'll do in the gym, but also what we do on the ice. There's a band. Uh, another example too, is a wide step band block that we do. And it's, it's, you've seen the monster walk forward and monster walk back, but we really extend the pattern out wider than shoulder width. Right. And we're going to get to that point. We're going to get to that position on the ice when they're turning and they're guarding or, or protecting the puck, you know, puck will go way outside their range and they may have to be, you know, defending or, or protecting the puck from somebody on the other side of their body. So we'll do a walking pattern like that because their legs are going to get into those positions and somebody's going to fall on their leg and, and risk a ACL, MCL or whatever it is. So, so I kind of relate those things back in my teaching method to, this is why we're doing it. You know, um, I don't have any exotic exercises, you know, I, I, I don't have anything like, you know, I didn't like, you know, Mike put front squat and, and rear foot elevated or Bulgarians or whatever you want to call them. You know, I know he doesn't like to give claim to any nations for their exercises, but you know, like whatever, like, you know, I, I don't have any, I just, I, I'm, I'm cooking with the same ingredients as everybody else. It just tastes different in my restaurant, you know? How have things changed? You've been you've been with San Jose for years, 16, 17, a lot of years, many, many years. And when you when you look at like year one entering, entering the program versus now year 16 or 17, what what's the biggest change if I if I were to look at those two spreadsheets side to side? Um it's very different, you know. Um, I, I was drinking through the fire hose my first couple of years, that's for sure. You know, and I think, I think you'll see more individualizations. I, I think I've taken the time or really in the effort and the energy to look at everybody's program and see like, okay, what do you need? It's going to cost me more energy and calories to, to give some individualizations, but there's no way around it. You know, there's no way around it. I mean, you're just kind of finding a way to manage it. And I guess I manage it 
the method that I try to use it, uh, to manage it is, okay, there's a lot of guys who have shoulder issues, so we can kind of blanket that in a way. So that's first step in individualization, but there's some train wrecks where it's like, okay, I got to write you your own thing. And I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it on the screen on the TV where we post our workouts and then you're going to have your own little section, just follow it, you know? Um, so I think you, you would see that you would see a, you would see probably a, most certainly a transition to more testing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we, we test a lot of things. We, we track, I shouldn't say we test because it's not like we have, we shut everything down and just test, but we track more things to look at, you know, power capabilities, speed capabilities, and how, you know, power, especially how it relates to your body weight um, and things like that. But you know, we're trying to paint this picture of where you're at and then what the program needs for the athlete and then what we can, what we can provide to management. Cause they always want to know this guy in shape is this guy, um, this guy, you know, is he deteriorating or can we get him to this level? So I've taken a lot more energy to build, pro, build better reports for, for management and everybody too. So the gym really hasn't changed somewhat, somewhat. It, it, it was a cluster when I first got there and I just kind of got everything out and then we went from there and, and, um, management has allowed me to get different pieces and, and, and build the gym or, or, you know, I guess, update the gym as I see fit, but I'm at the point now I've been here so long where I got to start moving walls and they don't like to hear that. So <laughs> I got to be careful how many times I bring that up too, because I may be somewhere else if, if I do. Yeah. And, but you've managed to stay through many head coaches, four or five probably. And, and that may, maybe it speaks to the fact that you've gotten better at relaying what you're doing to management, but what are some other, and on other podcasts, you've said just like, you know, shelter down when it, when it, when it comes time, but are there any other, any other things that you think have made you successful and, and can speak to your longevity at one program? Because when other train coaches are amazed just by how long you've been at one place and it's very rare. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and there are a lot of guys who've been here, been in the league longer, you know, like I'm, I may be, I may be top six guys. I think now I've been with teams the longest, but, um, and it's kudos to them because they're amazing guys, amazing professionals, you know, smart. And, and I think they, they, they all communicate well, you know, because we have great friendships and, and relationships amongst each other. And, you know, Sean Skeins are a, a really good friend and Sean and I crossed paths. I was going into, well, I was interviewing for a summer position with BU with Glenn Harris. And I drove from Springfield to Boston and Sean was doing the, the same position I was going to fulfill in the spring semester. So, and then it just, it just, we just connected. Yeah. Like in, and then I see Sean in the summertime working for Boyle and then, you know, it's just, it was great, you know? So, and, and Sean's been in the leaf like, 18 years, you know, compared to my 16 or, or maybe 19. I don't know. That's long. It's, it's a lot of years, lost but <laughs> yeah, I lost. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I, I would, I would say I, I, I really tried to work on my communication and kind of learn to learn to maybe speak coach a little bit more, you know, again, like with the example I gave you of, of, taking exercises and making them relative to what we're trying to get accomplished on the ice and what their, what their patterns are or what their physical um, requirements are going to be. I th I've taken the same way with coaches and explaining the material and what we wanted to do from maybe an energy system standpoint of how I, how I would recommend we, we, we structure the month each month or throughout the season. Um, 
And then I've also taken that and brought, you know, learned from management, you know, like I remember going into the combine and we have a director of scouting that's been, been here, been in, been in hockey forever. And, and he's, he's brilliant. He, he's, he's amazing. His name's Tim Burke. And I remember my first combine and, and I really enjoy the combine because it's a cool time to evaluate. But I remember my first combine, I was like, oh, this guy sucks. This guy sucks. And this guy, you can't jump, you know, this guy's 25 inch vertical jump. And he's like, and he, he's a rough and gruff kind of guy. So as soon as he spoke up, I knew I was going to get my ass chewed out. Right. And uh, he said, you know, this isn't football. He's like, we, it's easy to go off the numbers in football. He's like, but that guy with the 25 inch vertical jump is going to score 35 goals this year. I'm like, He's like, so we need you to tell us how long it's going to take him to get to 30 and, and get him stronger and bigger. And I'm like, point well taken. I'll write that one down. So, um, but that's helped me where they would always use dip in terms of like, what's his VO2? What's his aerobic capacity? And I was like, who cares? Like, you know, let's, let's find out what his sprint capability is. Let's find out what his power is. Let's find out, you know, those types of those types of things what's his anaerobic capacity like those are more relative to what our guys are going to do and now they speak that same wording you know so um communication is is i would say david has helped keep me here and then i think i think listening too you know I, i'm you know I, I i'm i'd like to believe i'm a really good listener um my wife would say that's not the case but you know i think when you listen you put value for the person you're engaging with and, and they, they really feel like, okay, he, he's, he's hearing me, you know? Um, because if you just say, if you just kind of just brush it off or even if they're wrong, if you just brush it off, it's like, okay, you're, you're, you know, the dots aren't connecting right there. So. Yeah. And, and the way, even in conversations, even with me and I'm like a 22 year old knucklehead, if, if I'm saying something, you have this, natural tendency to be like oh there's something i can learn from this person and then even like like your facial expression this is obviously a lot of it subconscious and just how you are as a person but your facial right. expressions like your tone of voice it's very comforting in terms of like right. oh i feel like this person is not only listening but really wants to get something and learn something from this yeah. conversation and that's something that you've you've done super well and, I, and something we talked about the, with mike boyle was how he can change his mind and I yeah. have no doubt that if you're given better evidence, you will, you will change your mind and, and start doing things differently. And it doesn't matter who that evidence comes from. If they can show you a better way, you're going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. This times I'll, I'll go into conferences or, or seminars or, or, or now view everything online or, or even have discussions with, you know, close friends in, in the field or whatever. And I just feel like I'm dumber, you know, it's like, Oh man, why didn't I think of that? That's so, that makes complete sense. You know, it's like, so, but yeah, you have to be humble in that way and, and obviously continue to learn, you know, and, and, and information will come in many different forms, it may come from, you know, a 22 year old stud, you know, <laughs> or it may come from a, an 80 year old stud, you know, <laughs> so you gotta be, you gotta be willing to pull out. Um, I, I always, I always took the good and, and left the bad, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the bad can come in different forms. And that may just be timing of your training or, or exercises that you don't like or whatever. It's okay. You know, it doesn't make that coach a bad, bad person, you, you know? Um, so, but just, Hey, you, you're going to, again, you're, you're using the same ingredients and then you're going to make, make the meal the way kind of that you yours with your spin on it. So, you know? Yeah. And this is, it almost goes against human nature. We all, 
naturally to some extent have that oh when someone's challenging what i think we have that tendency to tense up and we see this a lot on twitter you know people try to defend their stances even when they clearly have become indefensible and i think that's really something that everyone can learn from mike and how, how open-minded he is and oh, absolutely. really a lot of a lot of the people pretty much everyone we've talked to the last six months or however long yeah. we've been doing yeah. the alumni series so mm-hmm. i want to change to something you probably haven't been asked as much and I've known who you are since I was probably a freshman or sophomore in high school. I was like, oh, SNC is cool. I want to be better hockey. And, you know, I knew who you were. I knew who Kevin was because Kevin had a blog and an email list and a book. I knew who Sean Scan was because he had a book. Mm -hmm. I knew who I learned who Devin McConnell was because he eventually had a book. And, And that's there are probably a few others I'm missing in our specific niche of hockey training. But for the most part, the only people who I knew and learned from, from the ages of like 15 to 19 were people who were out on the internet and doing some stuff on the internet. I'm not sure if Kevin kind of dragged you into that. Um, but I, I think what, what was your entry into like doing stuff online and, and was that something you were resistant to? What was your thought process around starting to like, Oh, let's do a website. Let's do a podcast stuff like that. Um, I think I wrote a little bit, maybe a couple articles for strengthcoach.com when Mike took it over and he was asking everybody in his network to, Hey, let's, let's build this to, with, to have as much content as great content as, as we can. And, you know, I was like, great. I, I, you know, I got to become a better writer. I mean, I'm my, I'm not, I'm not, overly confident, you know, in my, my writing skills, it takes me a lot of time to write something. And, um, but I, but I do enjoy it when I can get sit down and put some time to it for sure. Um, so that was kind of like the beginnings of that. And then hockey strength coach, um, um, that came about when we created that. And then it, that was, I guess my really, my first, like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're going to be responsible for putting content on there and, and let's let's try to build that as a facet of strength strengthcoach.com right or 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 in 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 the mirror image of it in a way so that was really my first um experience to it i mean i think i'm still a little bit out that 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 older generation who hasn't i haven't perfected it at all you know um yet but i mean kevin's amazing at it mike mike's evolved evolved himself so many different times and continues to do it which is really cool you know, to see. Um, but it's a, it's been a, it's been a great tool, I think, to, to reach out to others more in the field. Like I've gotten, you know, emails from guys working in Finland, guys working in, you know, in Russia, um, you know, which is pretty cool, you know, and even young strength coaches asking about techniques or different, you know, periodization schemes and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, We'll ask some uh, alumni series classics here. What, adv- <laughs> what advice do you think that young strength condition coaches should ignore? What they should ignore. Ooh, that's a good one. Or, or what, what's good or, or what's common advice that you hear that you think should yeah. be adjusted or uh, advice that you don't hear as much that you think yeah. would be useful? Yeah. I, I think traditionally, you know, you, you, you have to, you young coaches hear about maybe lengthy, you know, training plans are necessary or lengthy 
um, periodization schemes or whatever you want to call it are, are necessary, you really don't need to overcook, you know, I, I, if I, let me preface this, all of these cooking, you know, analogies, I, pr I probably should have been a chef in my altered life. You know, I do love to cook. You're so Italian too. That's where I'm pulling it from. You know, I either would have been a firefighter or probably a chef, but um, so you, you don't, you less is more. And I think we're learning that now, but I, I really have seen it probably in the last eight years, you, you know, if, averaging two works out two workouts a week you know and then we look at bar velocities we look at 3rm testing with trap bar and 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 bench pressing for those who can do it and our numbers don't drop off more than more than five percent if somebody drops off it's because there's an issue like there's fatigue there's you know sickness there's injury there's, there's that stuff you know but we've gotten away because we've had to because the schedule is nuts averaging two workouts a week. Sometimes we've gone a week and a half without working out just because the schedule's crazy. But jump scores, the strength scores, um heart rate recoveries that we've looked at in season haven't changed. You know, so you don't you don't if you're if you're a college player, okay, maybe it's 3 days a week, right? For a length of time, but I don't think a young strength coach should think, "Oh man, I got to we got to we got to maybe maybe to establish your program, but not like, Oh, we got to be in there three to four days a week in season or anything like that. I went from like a five day program with, you know, uh, lower upper day off, lower upper, you know, Monday to Friday, um, in the off season, I changed it about five years ago to do uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday strength, and then Tuesday, Thursday, um, movement speed and weekend recovery. It was, still is effective and for my older and my older players at the time, because I've had a lot of old players, they were like, I feel great. I feel better than I did last summer. And and their numbers were better than the last summer. So, so we, we are seeing less is more. Um, okay. What's uh minimal dosing effect that we can do. Um, and Derek Hansen talks a lot about that. He's out of Vancouver. He's, he's tremendous. Um, he, he's, he's really talks a lot about that minimal dosing effect, especially when it relates to speed. But, um, I think that you have to consider that if you're, if you're a young, young strength coach. Yeah. And, and, uh, we overvalue the short term sometimes and undervalue the long term. And if you can mm -hmm. get in there twice a week, talk about this, try to talk to middle schoolers about this all the time. Like, Hey, yeah. literally show up once a week for the next right. two years. Consistency. Right. Like that's the, that's the big thing. It kind of goes back to a, my warm up, you know, requirement, like, okay, we have to do this together, you know, and, and it's just little, little bits of that over time. Like it really is impactful, you know? Yeah. And one other thing I've, I've been talking about with, with strength conditioning people lately is how sometimes we don't extrapolate consistency to ourselves, not in terms of our own training, but in terms of how we're improving on training. And this is my, my last question is how do you, incorporate consistently learning from others consistently, you know, consuming knowledge or trying new things. What are like some of your good routines for how to continually improve as a coach? Yeah, uh, this, that's a good question. Um, my, my, I would say my outside reading would be 
outside reading and, and, and staying up on what's on the internet is my second method of, um, of continuing my, my learning process, right? My first and foremost, which I don't know, I don't know why, but, um, but I think it's because I want that, that one-on-one connection. And I, I appreciate the relationship is that I, I, I'm on the phone all the time, like talking to guys in my network and friends and just picking their brain and things like that, you know, and if it's somebody I don't know and who I want to, I'll, I will set up, I'll set up a call, you know, you know, we talked about, I'll, I'll just cold call somebody, you know what I mean? Or try to get it, try to get in, in touch with them. That's how I met Jim Laval, you know, and, and kind of learned the, the metabolism side, which has been awesome. Um, so I've, I've done that. Um, I could do a better job of, of reading more on the internet and things like that. And, and time is difficult, but you know, if you stay consistent with it, I, I mean, I'd love to meet someone and learn from them on how, how much they can consume, you know, but I mean, you know, we got 30 athletes a day, you know, and, and right now we got 60. So it's, it's a little bit difficult and I got three kids at home. So, um, and two rabbits. So I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> two rabbits. And, yeah. and that's why I think this analogy, I've been enjoying using this analogy is you just need to do the equivalent of like getting in there twice a week in terms of your yeah. growth. Yep. Like you're, exactly. you're calling, you're on the phone probably twice a week for a few minutes. And, yeah. right. and if you exactly. do that every week, you know, yeah. you add that up at the end of a year, at the end right. of two years, five years, 10 years, then yeah, and this could be that's that's why your network is important because you can reach out to them and, and learn from them and, and all that. Um, I will say one thing too to, to go back to that that question is uh, uh, about the, the point earlier about okay, what should young 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 strength coaches or young professionals kind of leave or or take is like you have to value what's been and it's being talked about now a little bit more, but value what's been written on. Uh, programmed or in, in, in the past, it's still amazingly um, important information, you know, from, you know, Johnny Parker and Al Miller and Mike Wilsick they're, yeah, they're ancient, but at the same time, you know, these guys are, these guys are talking about things that everybody's trying to rebrand new right now. And that's not the case. And, and there, there's a lot of, there's, there's good material out there. You just can't pass it up because, all right, you, you know, this is that, 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 that doesn't make sense anymore. You know, you, you have to digest that first before you're reading whatever's online that's out there now, you know, and trying to dumb it down. Yeah. Anytime I choose between two books, three, not just S and C books, just generally the older book is usually going to be the better book, right? We totally have a recency bias with things that are new and things that come out versus going back to what's tried and true and what we'd consider the classics. This is great. A lot of, I think there are a lot of gems here for people. A lot of gems. Um, for me. But yeah, that's any, great. Uh, I appreciate doing it. Yeah. Any, any last final thoughts for for folks? Um, no, I think, you know, it's, it's fun to share my experience. It's fun to, um, listen to others experiences like, uh, you know, where they've come from. And, and I think the common theme is that obviously they, they, uh, they hustled, you know, and, and they wanted to be in the field and, and they looked for every opportunity to get better. And, um, it, it just, you have to, it's going to take time, you know, you have, but you have to seize those opportunities. You know, you have to, you know, find the best next fit for you. And maybe, maybe things are done concurrently. Like maybe you're working with, middle school kids or high school kids, and you're also volunteering or observing, it's okay to observe. And if you observe, that doesn't mean you're an assistant, you know, like you can, you can observe a higher level of training. Maybe it's at a D one or a pro team 
while you're doing, you know, your hands on coaching and getting, you know, getting your hands dirty in the coaching world with youth athletes. It's okay. You know, it's just, you really got to kind of, if anything, when you're, when people listen to these and listen to the, the older guard of strength coaches, listen to what they did, you know, and how many things they had going on. I'm not saying pile, you know, two pounds of, or five pounds of shit in a two pound bag, but, you know, take those opportunities and don't just look for one opportunity where you can, you can be improving yourself and improving your coaching. Right. Continuing to learn. That's, that's a big theme. Yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. Mike. Thanks, man. Thanks, David. Yep. Great. Talk soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. As always, you can find links to everything discussed at the official website of SCAF, prohockeystrength.com. We talked a bit today about connecting with coaches and how to do so and how important that has been for Mike. So I will take this opportunity to give a shameless sales pitch for our member section. Really, it's it's the opportunity to connect with us. And I'm on Zooms, FaceTimes, texting our members pretty frequently. And reaching out to other strength coaches in the AHL, NHL, college to connect them with resources and people and, and, and start to build that network of coaches you can work with. And that's a huge thing that's part of what we have. So there's my sales pitch. You can head on over to prohockeystrength.com and sign up. And if not, we have, of course, tons of podcasts, articles, videos, lots of other stuff for free. So we'd love to have you on the site in some capacity very soon.